Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. I'm very I'm very self-conscious about my congestion and my nasally voice. Don't be so self-conscious, Sid. I'm excited enough to carry the show for both of us today. Thank I you. couldn't be more excited. I'm going to do my best not to sniffle. Do you know why I'm excited, Sydney? Why are you excited? Because I know the subject of this week's episode. Aww. I made a button for it. Taint tanning. Is that okay? Is taint tanning. This is not. You don't have your headphones on. I I can I can hear it. No, I can hear it from here. I made the whole taint tanning. Yeah, I I can hear it from here. I made a button for it. Uh huh. Taint tanning. This is not really. Make sure it's coming through the track. One sec. Make sure it's coming through the track. Yeah. Okay. It's coming through on the track. This is not really the the look like our like our podcast. I know maybe it's some of some of your other podcasts. Okay. This might. It's reading a little zoo. Fit. I get you. We're, we try to do something a little more professional uh, here. All right. Justin. Well, I'll try to keep my finger off the button, but you have got to tell me a little bit more about. Okay. I'm I'm not gonna call it that. How, is that word okay? We're gonna uh, assume that word's it's okay. Not, I mean, it's. I don't. It's it's literal. It literally describes it. Taint your butthole and it taint your front butt. Taint. Okay. There were so many things wrong with that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna just let saying. it. I'm gonna call it perineum for the purposes of this <laughs> podcast. Mm. I, we have gotten. I, I can't even thank everyone because. Man, this is how I learn about things now. I opened my, I opened the Sawbones email, and there was ruined, shelled <laughs> from orbit. So many of you were so fast to say perineum tanning, or the other, the other popular uh, subject line was butthole sunning? Question mark. Not take tanning. Okay, no. that was my guess. Uh, and uh, tweets and Facebook messages. Thank you, everybody who messaged this f- fascinating new health craze maybe question mark health craze health craze craze is accurate for sure uh i i thought well i don't know what they're talking about but i'll give it a google and frighteningly enough it is a thing uh so i wanted to talk about this practice mm-hmm. that um and ease some of your fears that i believe is perhaps not quite as widespread as some wellness uh, people would have you believe. 
and uh, and also kind of trace the roots of it a little bit back to heliotherapy. Justin, do you know what heliotherapy is? Well, I can tap into my Latin and say therapy is therapy <laughs> and helio is of the sun. Mm-hmm. So th- therapy the of the sun. Helios, yes. Sun therapy. Mm-hmm. So very good. Yeah. And the idea that the sun is powerful or life-giving or in some way. Well, you know, I mean, you can trace this back to many ancient cultures, right? Like, that's not a wild thought. And it's accurate. Powerful and life-giving. Yes. Yes. Those things things are true. But the idea that it would have some sort of health or wellness or medical applications is also not... It's not strange to think that that has been practiced throughout human history. Uh, I mean, people worship the sun. So there were, there were, you know, powerful beings who were based on the sun. It's the biggest star. Why wouldn't we worship it? So it is not, it is not strange to, we could trace a whole social, cultural, religious history of humankind's relationship with the sun, but that's not what we do here at Sawbones. I want to talk about the medical parts of it and if you want to talk about what we think of as modern heliotherapy that story starts a lot more recently in the 1800s really the late 1800s and 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 then the the big uh interest the big when it was very trendy is probably in like the 1920s 1930s so not that awfully long ago so this really starts out with a doctor from iceland actually a little collection of islands outside of Iceland uh, named Niels Ryberg Fensen and he was he was probably the first one to introduce what became the widespread sun cure or sun treatment or heliotherapy that people used Um, and it's important to know to understand kind of his story that he carried a a diagnosis a chronic genetic uh, disease um, most of his adult life. And this this really informs why he has this interest and why he, he starts these trials that he starts. Um, he has been since thought to have what we would call Neiman Picks disease. What's that? It's, a, it's actually a collection of different, um, it's used to describe, there, there's several different varieties of it. So depending on which one you have, which mutation you have, it's going to present very, very differently. But it's it has to do with uh, lipid storage, I won't get into the particulars. It's That's, one of the. the I feel like I wouldn't understand this. It's very. It's one of those very complicated. We we learn all of these uh, diseases. There's like the lipid storage and lysosomal storage diseases, and there are all these different <laughs> diseases that every time you encounter them, I, I would assume, and I'm sure there are some genius medical professionals out there who don't have to look them up again, but I always have to look them up again because there's a lot of them, and they're all very complex from a biochemical standpoint and especially with Neiman Picks there's different mutations that will cause different completely different clinical presentations this is what we think he probably had although it was hard for me reading descriptions of his symptoms and and the different you know kind of conditions he had I'm not sure Uh, he had some sort of chronic genetic condition uh, that started probably around the age of 23 is when he started having symptoms which some varieties of Picks disease that can happen. Um, some of them start really early. Some of them start later, and uh, it caused, among a variety of other symptoms, he became very weak. 
uh, tired. He had greatly decreased functional capacity. His, it, it, it affected his lungs. He accumulated fluid in his abdomen called ascites. And he, he became very weak and tired and, and not a lot of strength, uh, not a lot of ability to do much of anything. His energy was greatly decreased. Um, and it was very challenging for him because he, at the time, if you had something, you know, nobody knew exactly what was going on, right? We didn't know about picks or Neiman picks. We didn't we didn't we didn't understand what was causing his symptoms or his condition. So at the time, if somebody just suddenly has generalized kind of weakness and fatigue and decreased energy, mm-hmm. the common treatments would have been things like, we'll get more exercise. <laughs> you know, get out go swimming. It's not the worst advice. But that wouldn't work in this case. Correct. Obviously. Right. And he you know, it was it did not affect. Although some varieties of Pick's disease can affect uh, cognitive function, can affect your brain. Mm-hmm. It did not affect his brain. So he he could read and learn, and he already had his medical degree, and he knew about all the different things that people would advise him to do: go get all these physical therapies, and go run and swim and lift weights and all this stuff to mm-hmm. kind of bring back your vigor. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't going to work for him. Mm-hmm. And he knew that. And he was very limited in what he could do. Uh, So he began to investigate the possibility, could sunlight be a treatment of some sort? I can see the appeal. It's free. It's up there. And I mean, that's it helps plants grow. Why not? And it's easy to do a lot easier than like physical therapy or getting more exercise. Well, and it, I'd say for him in this case, it was possible. Yeah, much more feasible. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I wish this worked. Yes. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm saying is I wish it sounds nice. Yes, that, that's very true because he, he began to he kind of experiment, I guess, if you can use that word. I mean, this is a, a light experimentation on simply trying to, I, I guess he lived in like the north facing part of his home and he tried. And so he, his theory is that he got very little exposure to the sun's rays throughout the day. And, uh, and at this point he was in a wheelchair most of the time. He tried to make sure that he was getting outside more and getting more exposure to the sun. And he began to investigate, is there some sort of, healing property or energizing property or something that the sun can do for you on its own that that just simply sunbathing would allow Hmm. and this is really where that interest comes from and and i think that's really interesting because you'll see that later in the story this people who are seeking a treatment for themselves who stumble upon something for other people so he began to sunbathe in an attempt to self-treat, and he must have felt that the results were positive because he built upon his own experience all the research that he would kind of devote his life to. I mean, he did some other things, but this was the primary you know, area of his... It seemed like some part of it was working. It, he must have felt it was, right? Because otherwise, he probably wouldn't have investigated further. So... He started what was called the Medical Light Institute in Copenhagen, and this would later become the Fensen Institute, which I understand still operates today, but I think it does cancer research. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't do heliotherapy anymore. Uh, but their primary function at first was to investigate light for medicinal purposes. Um, and this was in 1893 when he established this. And he began looking first into the treatment of two different uh, skin conditions, smallpox, and then the other one was uh, what we called lupus vulgaris. What's that? 
It's actually another name for tuberculosis of the skin. Oh, I know. Wow. Yeah, we always think of tuberculosis as causing lung problems, which mm-hmm. I mean, it, it does. It does. <laughs> this Jack is Harry. not. This is not a. That would be a wild twist. <laughs> also, this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I know you always think of it as a lung thing. All a lie. <laughs> no, no, it it is a lung thing, but it can also cause the bacteria can cause these painful nodules on your skin. And so, and, is it a different kind of tuberculosis, or just a symptom of tuberculosis? It's just a different manifestation of tuberculosis. Okay. Uh, and so we uh, we needed a way to treat that as well. And at the time, if you'll if you'll think uh, when we're talking about the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, we had no good treatments. No, for, tu- for tuberculosis. We told people to go sit and go out west. Well, why did we tell people that? Well, I think it was for the air, right? Isn't that what we talked about? That it was for the for the clean, the dust, dry dusty air, air, but also for the sun. Yeah. And where did that come from? I don't know. You're about to. This, that's okay. what we're talking about. Right. That's the whole yeah. point of this show. That's the point of this episode. This is where that idea came from. A lot of people have heard that. You know, famously, Doc Holliday went out west, right? Became a bad guy. <laughs> Whoa, judgy, judgy much? Uh, because because of his tuberculosis well this is where this idea that's what we're getting into where it originates so he started out in the lab but it's funny he he actually wrote about how pretty quickly he realized like and and i wonder i don't know this is me hypothesizing about history i wonder if his own concern for his own condition didn't didn't stimulate the speed at which he researched this stuff because he started out kind of investigating in the lab, but very quickly was trying this out with patients. Yeah. Um, and he wrote about how he, I mean, he felt had to like be desperate for, for answers for sure. Right. And he felt like it was important for this therapy in particular and, and other ones would be similar that you don't rely on bench research in the lab before you bring it into the clinical world. You just kind of go for both at the same time. Mm hmm. Was kind of well, you can thought. understand that too, considering the treatment is like sit in the sun. Like, uh, there was probably, like, why not? <laughs> right? Like, at this point in time, like, I don't know, that, like, let's just give it oral. And it does show, I think it does show kind of a progressive understanding of the idea that there's so many things. We talk about this on the show a lot. There are so many things that will kill a bacteria or a virus or a fungus in a lab. That you can't necessarily put in a human body and right. get the same result, either because it just doesn't work in the human body or it will also kill the human body. <laughs> and like so, the rats and the aspartame, right? Well, similar. Not but, exactly. It's not guaranteed that it's going to do whatever it does in a rat. Well, I mean, I would say it's even similar to, you know, it seems like an extreme example, but like bleach. You Ble- can use bleach in a lab to kill a lot of things, but. Don't ever drink it. Well, folks, we can't be more clear about that. Like, don't drink it. Please. Uh, so, but he understood that. He under, and, and so he, he did all this research. He published many papers. Um, he, he focused a lot on the idea of artificial light. He developed different artificial lights that would provide, hopefully, the same kind of therapy, re- phototherapy. For research purposes, that's probably really important, right? Because you're not going to be able to get consistent treatment if you're you know how to deal with cloudy days etc i would say that that is part of it and then the other part is if you consider where he was doing his research in copenhagen 
Yes. Yeah. Some some. So I've seen some photos <laughs> that have looked like there are some gray times there. He it, there were not. Un, he did not have a high density of days that he could do research out in natural sunlight. I'm sure so, it's lovely. If you're a small businesser there, I'm, I'm sure it's lovely. Oh, yeah. This is not a slam on Copenhagen. This is. I think that in part he thought, you know what? I probably am going to need an artificial light. Otherwise, I'm going to not be able to advance my research very quickly. Right. Uh, so he developed some artificial lights that he could use, and he published tons of papers. And according to the papers, and I mean, if you look back at some of the numbers, they're small numbers of patients. Uh, but when you the parameters they were studying were like decrease in pain or decrease in number or size of skin lesions or uh, things like weight gain, you know, because mm-hmm. that's always a big problem with like tuberculosis is that it can be a kind of a wasting disease that you lose weight, you become weak and um, malnourished pretty quickly. And so when you look at those metrics, it looks like the the published results are positive. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I mean, eventually, as we know, antibiotics would be invented. And hey, we didn't need the sun. Anyway. Get out of here. <laughs> we sun. don't need the sun. Um, but he published some some small but but positive facing results, uh, and so positive that in 1903 he was awarded the Nobel Prize. Wow! For his innovations in light therapy. But it, I mean, was it? Did it work? <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those things that's hard to say. It's kind of like we talked about with malaria therapy, the idea that it, you could induce a really high f- high fever in someone with syphilis and it would mm-hmm. cure their syphilis, and they claimed a thirty percent cure rate. But it's hard to go back and try to validate any of those results. Um, I don't know how much. I, I don't think Fenson was claiming he could cure these conditions necessarily with the sun or with artificial light, but that they did help and improve things. Hmm. So I don't know. I've seen some people theorize that uh, if vitamin D deficiency was a problem in these patients as well, perhaps it was, yeah, that was what it was actually fixing inadvertently fixing that. Hmm. But either way, he, he was given the Nobel prize and, uh, um, and he, he died a year later after receiving the Nobel prize um, of his chronic disease. But, his work outlived him. It did not end there. The international community, of course, uh, after the Nobel Prize, had heard of his innovative research. And like I said, at this point in history, we're at 1904, there was no good treatment or cure for tuberculosis. Yeah. It was it was a death sentence. And so anything that seemed to be showing positive results was of interest to the world, the entire world. So one of these clinical scientists who was really interested was a Dr. Auguste Rollier, who was a Swiss physician. And based on, he went and visited and kind of learned from Fenson and learned what he was doing. So based on his research, he opened a number of sunbathing clinics all throughout the Swiss Alps because he also felt, he felt that the sun was important, but so was altitude because it was thought the air was more pure. Closer so, to the sun also. Yes. So he he opened a bunch of very uh, famous and kind of I always think of I, like really fancy clinics like I because they're sunbathing guy, clinics. I would have been the guy who's like, how much is this? A hundred dollars? Okay, how about this? How about I'm just gonna lie just outside the clinic? I'll be the guy who sets up a chair next to it because you're charging me to sit in the sun inside. And I mean, I imagine it was a nice experience. Like if you're talking about uh, a time when medicine 
could be very scary and dangerous, right? I mean, like we're, we're really talking about the heroic era of medicine when, look, we don't know what we're doing, but we've got to save lives. So we're going to get serious <laughs> about medicine and that we're going to crack a few crack a few eggs we're gonna try everything uh if you consider that this particular radical idea was come to the swiss alps the most famous was in uh switzerland come to the swiss alps sit outside in the beautiful mountain air in the sunshine and relax and and take it easy and that's the whole thing must have been pretty attractive yeah but it didn't stop in europe well, what happened next, Sid? Well, I'm going to take us to the U.S., but first, we're going to make a stop at the billing department. Oh, let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although... There will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes, you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week, I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan um but they got like fancy stuff. listen to this where are you gonna get this truffle butter filet mignon i mean seriously from 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 a, a box pre-prepared all i got two minutes i mean filet mignon that sounds delicious yeah it sounds delicious and you can give these a try and it's not just these meals we're talking pancakes smoothies they got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious and the meals you just eat and eat there's no prepping cooking or clean up. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, And the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase 
of a website or domain. We interrupt the podcast you're listening to to tell you about another podcast. That's right. We got this with Mark and Hal. That's correct, Mark. This is Hal. We do the hard work for you, settling all of the meaningless arguments you have with your friends. So tune in every week on the Maximum Fun Network for We Got This with Mark and Hal. And all your questions will be asked and answered. You're welcome. All right. That's enough of that. We got this. Uh, So Europe... Couldn't contain the sun. No, no, Europe did not corner the market on the sun. It had to. It had to rise in the U.S. as well. So, like I said, the the work that Finson had done attracted international attention, and then especially once all of these clinics were opening up all over the Swiss Alps, not everybody could travel to Europe. That's pricey, especially back then. Yeah. And so, uh, Dr. Jeremiah Metzger is really probably one of the main people responsible for popularizing this treatment in the U.S. Uh, he he actually started practicing medicine in Toledo, Ohio, but uh, he also fell ill, and it is thought that he probably did have tuberculosis. Hmm. Um, again, it's one of those things where it's it's hard to say. I don't know that for sure, but it is thought that that is what what he uh, had had gotten maybe through his medical training. Actually, oh wow, taking care of people with tuberculosis. So he moved out west as people were wont to do with tuberculosis back then for the sun and the dry air that was thought to be good for the lungs and the gold um, he continued to work with tb patients i think that's very noble mm-hmm. continue i mean well i mean it okay i'm just saying it, like okay, he I could have been bitter but he wasn't. i don't want to cast aspersions but like i would say that is the best possible person to be working with tb patients i could make that argument perhaps okay Either way, he eventually ended up in Tucson, Arizona, where he opened a tuberculosis sanatorium. Sanatorium is what they called like hospitals like that back then. It was like a hospital. Sure. Uh, so anyway, uh, he he operated there for a while using co- some of the common treatments of the time there. Um, but then he went to Switzerland and studied un- under Dr. Rollier for a year to learn more about this sun therapy. And after he learned more about it, he brought it back to Tucson and spread it around uh, the West, opened the desert sanatorium. And uh, and then you can see uh, similar places like that were opened in Colorado was a very popular place because of the altitude mm. that was thought yeah, to be sense. important. So you find places pop up all over the West Coast and then in the Rockies. And then even uh, even in the East, there was one in upstate New York, a pretty famous sanatorium open called the Saranac Sanatorium. Oh. Which was opened by uh, Edward Livingston Trudeau, who I mentioned because he was the grandfather of Gary Trudeau. The Doomsbury guy? <laughs> yeah. That is a connection that I was not expecting in this episode. Did not expect a Doomsbury connection. No, I didn't see that coming either as I was as I was reading about the various people associated. This was a very famous sanitarium and they were listing all the famous people who went and got treatment at this sanitarium. Uh, okay, wait, I don't want to interrupt. Sanitarium or sanatorium? You know, actually, those terms were kind of used interchangeably back then. Um, some depending on where like the geographical location whether you're more likely to call it a sanatorium or sanitarium but either way we're talking about a hospital for like some sort of chronic long-term illness usually associated with tuberculosis at this time period Mm -hmm. Um, but you would find both used the same way good to know 
uh, the one, the Saranac Sanitarium treated, uh, like I said, a lot of famous people, including Robert Louis Stevenson. Uh, Treasure Island. Yeah. That one. That one. There you go. All of the other names I didn't immediately recognize. I, you can look it up and maybe you'll go, wow, she didn't even mention that this famous person was treated there. And I'll go, well, I've, I'm just a doctor. I'm hey, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, too. Well, there you go. Just different stuff that Robert Louis Stevenson did. You can do that podcast later. Let's just focus on medicine right okay. now. <laughs> Got it. My book podcast, Crazy for Pages. <laughs> A book podcast with Justin McElroy. It all it is 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 you discovering through Google different books that a particular author wrote. Oh, oh the, look. They, oh, the books that I've read. Oh, they also wrote this. Huh. huh. Okay. Huh. That guy. Got it. Well, now an ad for <laughs> Squarespace. <laughs> our longest episode ever. Uh, Three so, minutes before the ad. <laughs> anyway, uh, obviously the sun cure fell out of favor for tuberculosis because of medicine. Hey. Uh, we found better treatments for tuberculosis that worked really well and could actually cure people. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't so much about things that might stave off death or th things that might make you feel better but things that would actually fix the fix tuberculosis uh, but in the 20s and 30, 30s when it was so popular to go get these these the sun therapy you know this heliotherapy uh this was the same time i think i think this explains a lot about americans kind of relationship with the sun and tanning specifically at this same time that people were going to these sanitariums to lay in the sun for their health was when the concept of a healthy glow or, you know, a tan being a mark of wellness. This is the same time this idea kind of took hold in the American public. So you have this whole generation of people who grew up in a time when tanning was good for you, or at least I'm, I'm saying that's what they believed. So good that some people went to special tanning clinics to tan under doctor supervision <laughs> for their health. And you see this idea arise. And I mean, how long has it taken us to let go of that? I mean, still, yeah. still, we're trying to undo the damage that that's done. Now, I think it is important to notice that this idea that light as a medical treatment is not completely off base. Uh, we don't usually call it heliotherapy. We usually call it phototherapy. But there are skin conditions for which we can use targeted phototherapy today. Um, things like, I, I remember the first time I was in a dermatologist's office and I saw their secret tanning bed back in the back. And I was <laughs> like, oh, what? Jacques. <laughs> what is this? Uh, there are certain skin conditions that can benefit from very targeted doses of phototherapy. Uh, things like very severe psoriasis or vitiligo, some, something called scleroderma. There, there are a number of them. But it is important to know that when I say targeted phototherapy, I don't mean that a doctor is going to tell you to go lay in the sun. No doctor should be telling you to do that. Ever. What they will do is under their supervision and medical guidance, they may, after a long discussion of risks and benefits, because there are, there are risks to these treatments, like mm -hmm. many treatments, they may suggest a very specific dosage and timing and you know amount under their supervision, medical guidance in their office, amount of phototherapy. 
This is not something, this is in no way meaning, so maybe you should lay in the sun. Yeah. The, this is something a dermatologist would advise, supervise, and, you know, dispense. So uh, in that context, we still see phototherapy used sometimes. And of course, we're more and more understanding that there's a relationship, of course, we know between the sun and vitamin D. Now, there are other ways to get vitamin D supplements. M- mood. Like Mood. seasonal affective disorder. Yes, that is very true. Have you used a light before? Mm-hmm. There, there are other things that we can use light therapy for, but again, there is no medical recommendation to go lay in the sun unprotected for anything, for any condition. Period. Because, of course, that increases the risk of skin cancer. Right. So, please do not do that. Now, with all that in mind, how has this led us? To perineum I don't know. You got to tell me. So, the as I pull away the curtain from this, what I have found is this seems to be... Thank you for the curtain, everybody. I did appreciate <laughs> it. Since you were sunning your butthole, I appreciated the, the, the privacy curtains. Thank you. This appears to be something that is not a thing, that is built on not a thing, and underneath it is not a thing. This is all this is all kind of it's like fake medicine built on nothing. I think that this is traced to an Instagram post from somebody who is either trying to be like a wellness influencer or maybe they just know that if you post some really weird wellness stuff that's fake, you'll go viral because people like me will notice and get mad. I don't know. So I may be part of the problem, perhaps. But either way, they posted about the benefits of what they called an ancient Taoist practice of perineal sunning. And uh, they list all of the benefits of sunning your perineum. Um, The idea is that you can get an entire day's worth of sun exposure (laughs) with just... 30 seconds to five minutes of exposing your perineum to sun. And your perineum, by the way, is the thin piece of tissue between your anus and your genitals. So you you might say that it taint your anus and taint your genitals. Sure, Justin, you might say that. Okay, I would not, but he, you might. Uh, so that from this, I think she calls it a node, you can receive so much energy she doesn't even need her coffee anymore because of how energized this this person on Instagram feels after after sunning their perineum. You can't get energy that it doesn't work like that. You're not a you're not a battery. No matter what the matrix would have you believe. <laughs> no, you're not. That's not how any of this works. You cannot eat the sun's energy for fuel, Megan. And of course, as with a lot of kind of uh, wellness stuff there's a whole list of of things that it, it supposedly does oh yeah baby. like it, it helps with your libido it balances your sexual energy it helps with your circadian rhythms it helps with focus and mental stimulation um <laughs> and some of these things some of these things i can't argue with because they're not real anyway well like, libido it, is easy because you do that you're like all right i'm all warmed up let's go <laughs> well but it 
like it increases your personal magnetism. Well, that's not a thing. So I don't know. I Does would, it? I, I it was, amplifies your auric field. I well, just looked at these pictures. I would say no. That one I can concretely say no on the magnetism. Now it is in this post. It is noted that this is the intention of this, and this is all in caps with many exclamation points. The intention of this is not to tan your butthole. Thank you. Thank so you. that is and not. Wait, wait, thank you. Thank that, you. That is not what we are trying to do. Of course, you've got to be careful, I guess. I'm trying to feel the gratitude of getting to hear you say that phrase on our medical podcast, Sydney. Can I just enjoy that? It's so important to have little moments of gratitude. (sighs) (laughs) Now, the roots of this, I do not think we can trace back to heliotherapy and Dr. Fenson and the really, uh, I would say, sincere medical interest in the possibility of of light therapy the roots of this i think it seems are from a book uh written by dr stephen t chang called the Tao of sexology in 1986 in which there is a discussion of a kind of um sun worship exercise where you will expose your anal and and vaginal areas specifically but i guess whatever genitalia can also be exposed. Not, it doesn't have to be restricted to vaginas. But where if you expose them to the sun, uh, it's, it has germicidal properties. Um, the, the, you'll kill bacteria. This is uh, flawed. You cannot expose your bottom to the sun and kill bacteria. And I mean, why do you want to? They're there for a reason. The, mm-hmm. Keep them there. Just leave them alone. Like, don't... T- don't don't go touch them without washing your hands afterwards, please. But let them do their grim work. But let them do their thing. They're fine. They're supposed to be there. Leave them alone. Uh, so I, I think that's what this is based on. It is. It has been cited by people who have kind of picked up on this wellness quote unquote trend. Although really, I think this is restricted to just a handful handful of people just on Megan. Instagram. It may just be Megan out there. I, there may be other people out there, but I really think it's just it's it's a very small number of people who are doing this. So I don't I don't know that it is this like wild trend that we are led to believe it is. Um, you know, I mean, because you can do that, right? If you write about something, all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, what's everybody on the West Coast doing now? But really, I think it might just be a handful of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they claim some of the people who are doing it and posting pictures, because that's why this is going viral, of right? Because like it's paired with all these pictures of nude people laying outside, usually on like rocks in the desert or whatever, with yeah, their that's legs what I spread. Say. Megan says that it's a daily practice for her and she is laying nude on a rock. With nothing. One, Megan, can you not use a towel? Will that impede the sun exposure to your perineum? Like, this is your whole day. Like, I've got, like, rock imprints on my back. I had to drive out to the desert. Like, can can you not just do it in your, like, on your porch? Like, I don't understand why it has to be in a, uh, on a, on a beautiful, beautiful rock. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I guess it probably, you're more connected to the earth. I would say I this is my this is my guess in wellness speak. Uh, so they a lot of these people are claiming that it has something to do with traditional Chinese medicine. Uh, so I did not have to do this legwork. Uh, Rolling Stone actually did a story about this and reached out to uh, the traditional Chinese medicine world foundation to ask them if this is a, a traditional thing. Chinese medical practice. And what they they're quoted as saying a representative summed it up as. We don't talk about it. We don't practice it. Why would you write about it? And then hung up. <laughs> uh, 
so not only is it fake, but I have some problems with these people applying your fake medical wellness thing to an entire culture other than your own, their medical practices, their ancient medical traditions, blaming this for this bad idea you had about butthole sunning. Because... Taint tanning. It's an alternative. Just different uh-huh. way. If I, if I haven't made it clear, this is not a thing. This will not give you energy. This will not... Any of those things that it, it's supposed to do, it, it's not going to do. And in fact, it is dangerous because that that skin is particularly sensitive. All your skin should be protected when you're out in the sun, period. Whether by clothes, which seems kind of obvious, or sunscreen. You need something if you're going to be out in direct sunlight. You should not be exposing your skin unprotected to direct sunlight, period. But that skin is especially sensitive. So... There is no one who would recommend you do this. There is no benefit to it. Uh, The best case scenario is nothing happens. The worst case scenario is you damage your skin. You get a sunburn, which apparently, according to tabloids, Josh Brolin did when he attempted it and then wrote the and then it was written that he is quoted as saying that he burned his butthole. I don't know Josh Brolin personally. But that, from what I know of Josh Brolin, that seems extremely on brand for him. That's, he seems like the sort of per- person who would end up with a, a burned butthole. And if what you're thinking is, but, I like him. but Sydney, I don't want to put sunscreen on my perineum. I have another solution for you. Just like pants. Just pants. <laughs> pants, shorts, uh, shorts, underwear, whatever you, whatever your clothing of choice is. To cover your perineum, I would continue to wear it while in direct sunlight. Uh, I have no problem with nudity. I think nudity is great. It doesn't bother me. But I do want you to protect your skin from the sun. So if you feel the need to expose your perineum, please do it inside where the sun cannot harm it. In the privacy of your own home. Uh, (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Okay, updates. Uh, one, you know this. We have a book uh, called The Sawbones Book. You can buy it at stores. You know, the holidays are coming up. And boy, oh boy, is it a great gift for those uh, special people in your life. Um, oh, the, we want to tell you about the um, Cannon Lights. Uh, well, the celebration is coming up soon. Uh, the Cannon Light Star Drive that uh, Sydney Sister Riley organizes. Uh, is is now what is it? This third year, fourth year, third year, right? Third, I third, believe. yeah, third year. Uh-huh. Um, raising money for the uh, Contact Twenty Four Hour Rape Crisis Center. Uh, I think specifically the Huntington branch of it. Um, it's it's a it's a great deal. What you do is you can donate five dollars or more if you would like, and uh, you'll get a star that will be displayed during our Candle Night show. Uh, if you go to bit.ly forward slash Candle Nights Star. 2019. Did you get that? Bit.ly forward slash candle nights stars 2019. Uh, if you go there, you can donate to that. And it's a great, it's a wonderful cause. So go for it. You have, I think, like two weeks at this point. Yes. Right around that. So thank you. Thank you if you if you can for helping us help out this this great organization. Thank you to the taxpayers for the use of their song medicines as the intro and outro of our program. Thanks to uh, Maximum Fun, our podcast network. They got a new website. If you go to maximumfun.org, 
Uh, you can see their their great the the great facelift they just got, and uh, I believe that's going to do it for us, Sid, for uh, for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy, and as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.